Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. Would you open to Ephesians chapter 6? Ephesians chapter 6. I just want us to all be at attention here with the beginning of this, and I want us to I'm telling you, this may be the most important series and message for this time that I've ever spoken on or that you may hear. And I want us to catch this in our hearts, catch this spiritually today. Look at Ephesians chapter 6, and I want us to read, there's going to be a few verses that we're going to read, but I want you to read verses 10 through 18, verses 10 through 18. I'm going to read out of the New King James Version. If you don't have that version, you can just look on the screens. I'd like us to read it out loud and loudly. Let's open our hearts to receive God's word today. Somebody say amen. God's word today. Let's read this together. Ready? Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able in the evil day. And having done all to stand, to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Then I want you to read two more verses. Look over in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verses 4 and 5. Just stay standing for these two more. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verses 4 and 5. Ready? Let's read this out loud together. Ready? Read. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Let's open our hearts today. Lord, we open our hearts to receive your word today. Whatever we've understood or known about spiritual warfare or authority, Lord, we open up completely to your word and we say teach us today by your word we know that you've called us Lord into victory we know that you've called us into victory over every area of our lives that the enemy would want to steal, kill and destroy and take from us and Lord I declare victory I pray that you'd open our eyes open our minds help us to have a clear understanding today of what you intended for us spiritually. The victory that we're called to live in. 
in Jesus' name. And every one of us said amen. All right, look at somebody before you're seated and just say, get ready for this. And you can be seated. You can be seated. You can be seated. I'm starting a brand new series today. I'm calling it Fight Club. I know Fight Club's, you know, movie clubs, all kind of different things. But the reason why is because there is a spiritual fight going on all around us. It's not like, well, I, you know, I'm not sure if it's happening with me. I feel pretty good. It doesn't matter how you feel. There's a spiritual fight that's going on all around you for your life, trying to take you out for your family. There's a spiritual fight going on for youth, school systems, children. There's a spiritual fight that's going on for churches for compromise, for leaders, for government, for the United States of America, for Tennessee, for Memphis. There's, a, there's, there's spiritual fights in wars that are going on, right? whether we're aware of it or not, whether we accept it or not. Some of the tension that you feel the overwhelming feelings that you feel are not just your emotions that you need counseling. Though you may need counseling. <laughs> There's a spiritual fight that's going on all around us. Pressure is building in days, in times. Kind of like a pressure cooker. You put it on and it builds up more and more and more and more pressure wanting to release. Do you feel it? Yeah, there's more and more going on. And, and you can take, there's people who can take all the vacations, time off, go get a, 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 a rest, take a walk, get a massage, do whatever you're going to do, and you still come back to the tension and the pressure. Clear your mind, pray, and then you come and hit back the pressure again. Why? Because we're in a fight whether we know it or not. We're in a spiritual fight whether we're aware of it or not. And different people react different ways. Some people will just uh, would rather be in denial and say, I'm not a fighter. I'm a lover. I'm just going to pray that God protect me and keep me over in this bubble. No, listen. It's important for us to understand that we're in a fight. Other people would say, I'm just going to fight. I'm going to fight the heck out of it and get into the flesh and fight. But it's not a physical fight, it's a spiritual fight. You may be a good physical fighter and a horrible spiritual fighter. The fight that we're all in, notice it says we wrestle not, but we wrestle with principality. Every one of us wrestle with spiritual things. And if you don't know how to fight spiritually, if you only know how to fight physically, then you'll lose spiritually. You've heard the saying, you can't bring a knife to a gunfight, right? You can't bring physical weapons. You can't curse out the devil and get him to back off. You can't just have a good mental alignment and attitude to get through it. No, there's a spiritual fight that we're all in. The Bible says in John 10.10, 10, the thief does not come except to kill, steal, and destroy he didn't say he only come he didn't say he comes for that. He said he doesn't come for any other reason than those three things. The enemy's never 
wants to visit you and hang out with you to help you to have a good time and, and have a party. It's always with the intention and the purpose to take you out, to take you down. Always. So you never, ever, 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 ever want to think that he might have a different agenda. Jesus said, I've come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11 says this, Lest Satan take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. A sure way to be taken advantage of in life is to be ignorant. I said a sure way to be taken advantage of spiritually is to be ignorant of spiritual things. And that's why I believe it's very, 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 very important. If there's any series that you lean into, lean into this one. Why? Because the fight is here. I'm not trying to be an alarmist or anything, but we're living in days where we have to know as the church how to fight spiritually. Your fight is not just marriage problems. Your fight is not just family problems. It's not your boss. It's the devil. Lest Satan should take advantage of us for we're not ignorant of his devices. We need to be aware. You know, you may, uh, you may have provision for something, but you're not aware of that provision and it won't do you any good. I remember uh, having... Uh, going to a gas station to go fill up on gas because I was low and I w pulled up and I, oh, I forgot my wallet at home and I drove all the way home to get my wallet and I came all the way back and I reached in my pocket and I had a $20 bill the whole time. Well, I wasn't aware. I'm like, doggone it. I, I wasn't aware that I had the provision. And if you're not aware that you have the provision, you'll go and do extra things and think you just have to put up with it. Last year, there was an Oregon woman named Kathy Boone who died homeless and she was unaware that she had an unclaimed inheritance of $884,447. But she died homeless. Why? She was unaware. See, there's a lot of people who have benefits with the Lord. They're just unaware. And because of that, they live defeated, underneath, begging God. And there's nothing to beg. It's part of who our inheritance. And that's what we're going to talk about. Jesus came and defeated the enemy and already won victory for us. Let me say it again. Jesus came and defeated the enemy and already won victory for us. We don't have to ask him for victory. He's already won the victory. But we do need to know how to fight spiritually. Why fight club? Because we're all on the same page. Listen, we're not fighting one another. If the enemy can get us to fight one another, then we won't have our eyes and fight him. That's why so much of the time church, churches, you see the enemy try to get them fighting one another and they get all confused and all this stuff. Well, if you're fighting one another, you don't have your eyes on the, the real enemy of our souls. So we're in a fight club. Also, we don't fight to fight. We fight to win. We don't fish to fish. We fish to catch. Some people want to fight all the time. I don't like to fight all the time. But I'll tell you what, if there's a fight, I'm going to stand up and fight and win. We, we, we are people. Memphis Tabernacle is people. We expect victory every time. Every time. And if you don't, 
You have to get the word of God in your heart because Jesus expects victory every time. Amen. So I'm planning on doing this in five messages. Stay with me for all five. I, I'm telling you, the enemy does not want you to hear this one. Does not want you to hear this series because I believe you're going to kick him where it hurts. Today, I want to talk to you about this. Know your authority. Number one, know your authority. Notice, know your authority. Know your authority. I, I really recommend, if you're, say, I don't, I'm just not a note taker, be one on this. Write down at least the scriptures. Write down at least the scriptures on these. Why? Because lest Satan take advantage of you for we're not ignorant of his devices. Make sure, go back to the word of God. Okay? Write down scriptures. Let me give you a, a, a few things. Number one is this. Satan told Jesus... All these things I will give you if you'll bow down. Look in Luke chapter 4, verse 6. Luke chapter 4, verse 6. This is where the enemy was tempting Jesus. And he said this, And the devil said to him, to Jesus, All this authority, say the word authority, authority. I will give you, notice Satan is saying I will give authority to Jesus. I will give you and their glory, wealth, for this has been delivered to me. Satan said, authority has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Notice Jesus didn't argue with him about it. Jesus didn't say, no, you don't have authority. No, he did have authority. Satan said, all authority has been given to me. Notice Satan told Jesus that authority over the earth had been delivered to him. It had been surrendered over to him. Well, when it had been surrendered, let me just go through a few things and write this down. How did Satan gain authority? Well, God gave man authority at the beginning. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, it says, Then God blessed them, that's the man and the woman, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion, say dominion, over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God gave man authority over the earth, over the entire earth, to rule the earth to have authority over the earth. He didn't necessarily have the power, he had the authority over the earth. Well, man gave his authority over to the enemy, who the Bible refers to as the God of this world. Look in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. It says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. What did Satan try to do in the Garden of Eden? He had scheming, and he had tricks. Why does he need to use scheming and tricks? Because if someone doesn't have rule, they have to trick you. See, the, the biggest weapon the enemy has is the trick, to trick you. To make you believe that he has the authority. Like he did in the Garden of Eden. He started tricking. He, had, he was scheming. So it, it says in... Uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, Satan, who is the God of this world. When did he become the God of this world? When man sinned, man sinned and stepped, uh, stepped out of his authority and gave his authority over to the enemy. Then Jesus won back the authority and immediately delegated back to the church and his believers. Look in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. It says, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority. Can you say all authority? authority? Notice he didn't leave some authority with the enemy. He said all authority has been given 
to me in heaven and in earth. And then what did he do? He immediately took that authority and delegated that authority back to believers. So he took the authority away from the enemy and he put it back in the hands of believers. It says in Colossians chapter 1 verse 13, I love it out of the Amplified here, it says that the Father has delivered and drawn us to himself out of the control and the dominion. That Greek word is the word exosia. It's, it, it's, a, it, it's not dynamos, which is power, it's authority. He's delivered us from the control of the enemy. The enemy doesn't have authority over you anymore. Jesus has taken his authority. See, man gave his authority and Jesus has taken his authority back and given it back to believers. Out of the control and the dominion of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of the son of his love. In, in Colossians 2.15, it says, having disarmed principalities and powers. What did, what did Jesus do to the enemy? He went and he took away his weapons. He took away his authority. He took away his power. He disarmed him. And it says, and he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. So listen, as believers, it's important for us to know our authority. As believers, the enemy does not have authority over you in any way, shape, or form. Why? Jesus pulled it back. And Jesus delegated it back to believers. And I'm going to show you that. Say it with me. The enemy does not have any authority over me or anything under my authority. Listen, he has no right. He has no right. Well, the enemy's been beating me up all day. Well, well, that's because you gave him authority to do it. Authority's been given to Jesus. And Jesus gave it back and delegated it back to us. And I'm going to show you here. As believers, the enemy doesn't have any authority of us over us in any way, shape, or form. Now, there's a difference between power and authority. Let me show you in the book of Luke chapter 10, verse 19, where both of these are used. Jesus said, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Notice both of those words are used. I've given you authority to trample upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. A lot of times we use those words interchangeably, power and authority, but they're two different things. Authority is delegated power. Authority is delegated power. For instance, a police officer, you may have heard the analogy. A police officer, he stands out in the street, the light, red light goes out, and he stands up and he has his badge on and he puts up his hand and he says, stop in the name of the law, right? Does he have the power to stop that car? Well, he really doesn't. The car could just run right over him. No, but he has the badge, which means that Memphis police backs up his authority. But if you take away the badge, what happens? You took away the authority. See, there's a difference between power and authority. Power backs up authority. Authority is delegated power. People have to obey the authority that's backed with the power. That's why it's important to know that you have authority 
If you don't know that you have spiritual authority, then where's the fight? The enemy has to obey the authority that's been given. I said the enemy. See, the enemy is aware of spiritual things. And the enemy has to be aware. The enemy has to obey spiritual authority. That's why the enemy doesn't want you to know that you have authority. Because if, if you know that you have authority over him, he can't win. Right? We're not ignorant of his device. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we're not ignorant of his devices. If, we're not, if we become aware of his devices, then he can't take advantage of us. The enemy has to obey the authority that's been given. Well, let me ask you this. Does the church today have less authority over the enemy than it had back in the first century? No. It's been given the same authority, right? Our authority rests on his power to back it up. Our authority doesn't rest on our power. That's why sometimes we think, well, I have a hard time because I don't know if I can back that up. No, the Bible never said be strong in yourself. It said be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. See, your authority rests in his power. So it's important to know that the power of God is what backs up the authority that's been given to you. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Would you say that with me? Be strong in the Lord. In fact, let's just say it. I'm strong in the Lord and the power of his might. See, not, not strong in yourself. Be strong in his power. But you have to use your authority. Now, if you look over in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians is one of the best books that really goes over and, and clarifies some things about who we are in Christ Jesus and our authority. I want you to look at some of these verses. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, it says, and I want you to really look into this, Real, really catch this, because if you can catch it with your heart, I believe you'll, you'll see something that'll change your life. It says in uh, Ephesians 1, 17, Paul is praying for the church, believers. That's who we are today. It says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know. What is he saying? He's saying, and this is, a, by the way, a great prayer. My parents prayed this prayer over me and my two brothers every day of my life for the past 30 years while they were alive. It was the prayer that they just continued to pray. I pray that God would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding, I pray it over my family, I pray it over you as a church, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. See, spiritual things are received in the spirit. Our minds have to catch up. I don't know about you, but my mind has to catch up with things that I receive spiritually. I'm like, I don't really always understand all that, but I know that it's right because the Bible says it's right. So what is he saying? He's saying, I'm praying that you would receive spiritual wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding, the eyes of your heart would be enlightened so that you can see things. If we can open up and see things the way that God sees things, 
will understand things the way that God understands things more. Your mind has to catch up. And then he goes on and says, what is the hope of his calling? What are the riches of the glory of his inheritances in the saints? And look at verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? <laughs> Notice the power always comes after the believing. According to the working of his mighty power, say mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him in his right hand in heavenly places. What did his mighty power do? His mighty power raised Jesus from the dead and his mighty power seated Jesus at the right hand. Right hand in, in history would always be the place of authority, right? He seated him at his right hand. And, I, and I, I don't think we have a hard time understanding that Jesus was raised up from the dead and seated at the right hand of God. What we have a hard time understanding is that so were we. See, we don't have a problem knowing that Jesus has authority. Our problem is knowing that we have authority. Why? Sin conscious. Unbelief conscious. Look at When he raised him from the dead, verse 20, and seated him, follow along with me, seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. Notice, far above, say far above, all principality. Say, say this whole, say verse 21 with me. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that's named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come, just in case you think it passed away. Well, that was for the book of Acts. Well, that was for back then. But now the enemies kind of take control. They didn't know about the enemy in the 21st century. Not only in this age, but also in the age which is to come. What happened? Jesus was raised up, seated at the right hand of God, and given power over all the power of the enemy. Both in this age and also in the age to come. Now, if we stop there, we'll think, that's right. Praise the Lord. Put on our religious thinking. Jesus has the power. Jesus has the power. But keep reading. And he put all things under his are the feet part of the head or part of the body? Well, my feet are part of the body. Put all things, say all things, under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness, say the fullness of him, which fills all in all. I want you to notice that the body is the fullness of Jesus. He, he wasn't saying that Jesus was just raised up against, uh, above the enemy. He was saying that the body of Christ is raised up against the enemy. Even if you're just the little toenail on the pinky toe of, of the foot, your foot is above all the power of the enemy. Why? Because we're part of the body of Christ. Somebody say amen. Are you, are you catch, listen, are you catching this with your heart? Not just your mind. Are you catching this with your heart? The fullness of him. A person is a head and a body. The power of Christ raised Jesus from the dead, which is resurrection, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. And he's put all things under his feet. All of the power of the enemy is under Christ. 
Somebody say amen. amen. Say it with me. All of the power of the enemy is under Christ. And all of the power of the enemy is under Christ's body. That's us, the church. Listen, all of the power of the enemy is under Christ's body. The enemy has no dominion over you anymore. The enemy has no authority over you anymore. None. All the power of the enemy. Well, what about just this or that? That too. Now, Ephesians 2.1, he goes on and says, remember the Bible wasn't written in chapter and verse. Later on, they came and split it up. But he goes on and says, uh, verse 1, Ephesians 2.1, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses. I want you to notice, he didn't only resurrect Jesus and make him alive, he made you alive. The reason why we can celebrate Jesus' resurrection is because we were resurrected as well. Out of sin. Out of bondage. Out of defeat. And you he made alive who were dead. Notice, were dead in trespasses and sins. In which you once walked according to the course of this world. (laughs) According to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit. Say the spirit. Who now works in the sons of disobedience. Say the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Do you know why he has to work within the sons of disobedience? Because he doesn't have the authority. They do. Satan has to use the authority of man to get things done. Satan has to use the authority of man to speak words that will damn people or free people. And what is he saying? He's saying, Satan is the prince of the power of the air. What is the air? Well, the airwaves. In fact, we could see it more in the airwaves more now than back then, right? The internet, the television, the prince of the power of the air, the, the social media, the communication that's out there, the shutdown of communication that's out there, the cancel culture, the, here we go, okay. prince of the power of the air how does Satan work he works through he works through man why man has authority and if the enemy wants to get his words out the enemy can't stop and say I command you all he can't do it he has to work through man why man has the authority okay 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 The enemy doesn't have authority on earth except through man, good and bad. That's why he works through the spirit of this world. Satan exercises authority through man, through deceit. Verse 3 says, Among whom we also conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature of Children of wrath, just as the others. He's saying, oh, don't just blame it on them. You used to operate under the control of the enemy too. You used to speak words that weren't right either. And you released with your authority. You didn't even know you were releasing it. But you released with your authority things that came about. And you say, that's just the enemy through your mouth. The enemy can't do anything unless it comes through. The mouth. And raised, notice verse 6. Or he says verse 4. But God who is rich in mercy. 
because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, for by grace you have been saved. What did he do? He, there's a resurrected Christ, the power of God resurrected Christ, and the power of God made us alive together with Christ. It says, and raised us up together. Wait, wait, together? Raised us up together. Together with who? Who are we the church raised up together with? Did it say underneath? Or did it say in? In. Raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So if Christ Jesus is above all the power of the enemy, if Christ Jesus has authority over all the power of the enemy and we're seated in Christ Jesus, then we have power and authority over all the power of the enemy. Now listen, forever. Someone's sitting there going, well then what the heck am I dealing with? Yeah, you've been duped. You've been duped to think your problem's the devil. Your problem's not the devil. Your problem is a lack of understanding that you have authority. And raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Well, where are we seated positionally right now? You, in the spirit, where are you seated positionally? In Christ Jesus, in heavenly places, next to, at the right hand of God. Positionally. Your, your badge, your authority, where is it? It's seated in Christ Jesus. So if he has authority, we have authority. Where is your position over the enemy, over all the power of the enemy? How long? Forever. Forever. It's positional authority. Say positional authority. See, we don't have to come as beggars. We don't have to come and ask the, the, the Lord to take the enemy away. So what do we do with the enemy? Well, number one, Jesus already defeated the enemy. Jesus already stripped the enemy of his authority. Jesus already take it, took it back. Jesus already delegated a spiritual authority back to believers. And that's why he said, in my name, do these things. What's my name? It's my badge. It's my authority. He's saying, don't do it on your own. Don't go try to come against the enemy in your name. Come in his name. Why? Because he's been given back authority. He said, in my name, in my name, my authority. Let me show you Matthew chapter uh, 16. It says, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Remember, he said that to Peter. And he said, and I will give you, who? Well, the person that has the revelation of Jesus Christ, persons in, in Jesus. I will give you the, king, the keys of the kingdom. What do keys represent? Authority. Right? If I come and say, hey, you're a good person in the city, I'm going to give you the keys to the city. What do they mean? You have authority. Right? If I say, I'm going to give you keys to this building, you have authority over this building. You don't have the power, you have the authority right? that you can step in. He says, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom, and whatever you bind will be bound. Whatever you lock up will be locked up. Whatever you unlock will be locked. So who's the person unlocking and unlocking? We are. He didn't say, I'll take the keys of the kingdom, pray that I'll do it. No, he said, I'll throw you the keys. Keep them. Hold on to them. And what happens? When something needs to be unlocked, unlock it in the name of Jesus. With the authority of Jesus. When something needs to be locked up, lock it up in the name of Jesus. With the authority and the power of Jesus. 
In Revelation chapter 20, we read that one day there's going to be this angel. And this angel is going to take a chain and he's going to bind Satan. And he's going to cast him into the bottomless pit for a thousand years. Are you happy about that? Yeah. That's the next time that the, enemy, that, that the Lord's going to do something about Satan. Well, who's going to do something about Satan now? We are. Why? Because he left us his authority. For now, the New Testament, in the New Testament church, it's up to you and I to take spiritual authority over the devil. Jesus was given the authority, but then he gave us his name to take authority. Do you know there's not a single time in the New Testament church that he told us to pray to God the Father, or Jesus to do anything against the devil? Amen. I said there's not a single time in the New Testament church that he asked us to pray that Jesus or God would do anything about the devil. Well, where did we get that from? Wrong teaching. See, we just got to go back to what the Bible says. Jesus told us to exercise authority and to take authority over the enemy. Let, let me give you some examples. Write this down. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. It says, Jesus came and spoke to them. We already read it. All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Jesus, the head of the church, was given authority and immediately delegated that authority back to the church, his body. Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16, verse, verse, five, verse 15. It says this. And he said to them, who's that? Believers. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. Notice verse 17. We've read it a bunch. And these signs, read it with me. And these signs will follow those who believe. Again, do the signs follow the believing or does the believing follow the signs? I'll believe it when I see it. No. He says the signs follow believers. So signs will follow the believers. Notice, these signs will follow those who believe. And what's the very first sign? In my name, what is that? My authority. In my name, I will cast out. Did Jesus say, I will cast out? He said, in my name, who? You will cast out what? Demon. What's the very first sign? What's the very first sign of believers? That believers will cast out demons. Not Jesus will cast out demons. Someone came to me and said, I think that person has a demon. I said, really? What do you, what do you, what, what do you, will you cast it out? Well, are you a believer? Because it's not your power that's going to cast it out. Say this, in the name of Jesus, I cast you out. That's how you cast out demons. With faith, in the power of God, in the authority that's in Christ Jesus. He says, in my name, my authority, they will cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll take up servants. And if they drink anything deadly, it'll by no means hurt them. By the way, I've had a number of people ask me, what do you think about taking the, 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 the va vaccination? I don't want to hear anything about it right now, okay? I'm just saying, I don't need some political thing right here. I'm just saying. Here's what I do say. Whatever you do, do it in faith. The Bible says if you drink anything deadly, it'll by no means hurt them. Whatever you do, do by faith. And follow the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to tell you what to do or what not to do. Follow the Holy Spirit and do it in faith. 
It will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. They, by the way, they will lay hands on the sick. Are hands part of the body or the head? Yeah, notice believers lay hands on the sick and they recover. Didn't say Jesus lays hands. Come down here and just touch them, Lord. No, 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 you touch them. Why? Because you have the authority. You have everything you need. If someone sends a messenger with their authority, they have everything they need. It's not their power that gets it done anyway. It's their authority that gets it done. So when he says lay hands, you say in the name of Jesus, by the power of God, I lay hands on you and I say recover in Jesus' name. What is it? It's authority that we have. And they shall recover. I know I'm stretching some of you. You're looking at me like, what? What? Demons do not have a right to control and dominate you. Demons do not have a right to control and dominate you. Colossians 1.13 says the Father has delivered us. We read it before. He's delivered us and drawn us to himself out of the control and dominion that he's transferred to us in the kingdom of the Son of his love. Demons don't have the authority over us. James 4.7, here's another verse, James 4.7. It says, therefore, submit to God. Read it with me. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. I like the order of that. Submit to God first. See, I think sometimes people are submitted to the devil and then they're trying to resist the devil. They're submitted. I bind you, Satan. And then you're like, what do you want me to do? No, submit to God. Notice, submit to God, resist the devil in that order. And what will happen? The enemy will flee from you. It didn't say he'll flee from Jesus. It didn't say have Jesus submit the devil, uh, uh, resist the devil. What did he say? You resist the devil. If the devil's not resisted, it's because you're not resisting him. It's not Jesus' problem. It's not Jesus' issue. If you have a devil problem, it's you. Why? Because you already have authority. I'm just showing you scriptures in the Bible where he says we have to deal with the devil. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. The Bible says for believers to do something about the devil. Not he'll flee from Jesus, he'll flee from you. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. I told you, write down these scriptures. 1 Peter chapter 5. It says, be sober. Be vigilant for your adversary. Notice it's not Jesus' adversary. Well, it is his adversary too. But it's your adversary. The devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. It didn't say he's devouring whoever he wants. He said he's seeking who he, who he may devour. He's looking for someone who he can take out. Resist him. Who resists him? We resist him. Come on, say, I resist him. Steadfast in the faith, knowing the same sufferings are experienced by your brother in, in the world. You resist him. I love in the NASB it says, but resist him firm in your faith. Resist the devil. Peter said, here, you do something about the devil. You exercise authority over the devil. Ephesians 4, 27 says this. Short verse, five, six words. It says, nor give place to the devil. Say it with me. Nor give place to the devil. Say it again. Nor give place to the devil. You know what that means? The enemy won't have a place unless you give him place. 
He's saying, don't give place to the devil. Oh, the devil's got me. Well, if you, if you let him speak through you, if you let him think he's got you, nor give place to the devil. The, he cannot take place unless you give him permission. You would have to have authority over the devil or this scripture wouldn't be true. If you have to give him place, then you have authority over him. Spiritual authority works like natural authority. Uh, believers have authority over the devil when it comes to their own lives, their own households, things that they have authority over. For instance, people have the right to exercise their authority over their own lives. You don't have authority to walk into my household and, and have authority over things in my household. Why? Because I have authority over that, right? You don't have authority over my decisions. You don't have authority over my personal finances. You don't have a, a, a authority over my kids. I don't have authority. I won't walk into your house and take authority. Why? Because you've been given authority. See, the things that you have authority over is what the enemy wants to exploit. The enemy always uses your authority and things that you have authority over to be given place to. That's why you don't just walk down the street and cast out demons. Why? Because all of them have a will. People have a will. People have, people want, they have certain things they've given place to, certain things that they've stepped into. They have a will. They have authority. Their words will take spiritual precedent over their lives. If they're under your authority, you can use your authority to bind the devil. But if they're not under your authority, they're going to have to use their authority. Do you see that? They're going to have to make decisions for their own life. That's why sometimes people go, can you pray for me and get me free? Well, I can pray for you and get you free. But if you don't have understanding of what freedom is, you'll go back to bondage. Why? Because your authority, your words will get you back into the trap. Satan loves to work within the authority structures of man. The enemy does not have authority on this earth, over this earth, unless we give it to him. In fact, if you look in Ephesians there, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. What is the enemy doing? The enemy has levels of authority. But those levels of authority, he loves to set up within the structures of men's authority. Wherever you see men's authority, when you see government, the enemy will take government and will set up structures of authority within those governments. Families, he will take structures of authority and he will set up. He sets up because man has authority. The enemy will use man's authority structures and come against those structures and work through those structures to bring things about. That's why it's important to pray for leaders. It's important to pray for structures. It's not just legislation and in the court. I'm not saying that we shouldn't go after that. We absolutely should. But I'm saying if in the spirit we're not taking authority over those things, they'll just return back to where they were before. Demons don't have the right to control and dominate you without your authority. The enemy does not have authority on this earth unless it's been given to him. Satan loves to work within the authority of man here on earth. Government, nations, cities, families. 
Our wrestling is exercising our spiritual authority in these realms. Not from fighting in the flesh, but staying in the spirit. I want to remind you that it says that we wrestle against flesh and blood, but that was in Ephesians chapter 6. The, the Bible wasn't written in chapter, verse, chapter and verse. If you look back at Ephesians 1 and 2, it already shows how we're supposed to wrestle. It's not wrestling by us fighting the enemy. It's wrestling by positional authority. Speaking the name of Jesus. Taking authority over the enemy and resting in the authority that's been given us in Christ Jesus. 1 Timothy 2, it says, Therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men. For kings and all who are in authority, we should be praying for. He's saying, first of all, pray for leaders. Pray for kings and all who are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Second Corinthians chapter 10, we read it earlier. It says, our weapons are not carnal but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. When we see authority structures, we pull down strongholds in the name of Jesus, casting down arguments. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We cannot sit back, church, and be afraid of what the enemy is going to do. We have authority in the name of Jesus. And I believe the number one thing the enemy would want us to do, to not be able to fight, I'm not just talking about fighting, I'm talking about winning, is to think that we don't have the authority, the authority has been given to the enemy. So what's the response? The response is this. Listen, I want you to bow your heads and think about this for a minute. Don't walk out yet. Just, 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 just say, what areas in your life has the enemy been catching you with? What areas in your life has the enemy been coming against you with? What areas have you not been exercising authority? Has he been exercising authority over you? Just think about that for a minute. And I want you to say this. Would you take your hands and open them up and say, God, I submit myself to you. If you need to repent of giving place to the enemy, don't wait till you get home. Do it right now. Just open up and say, God, I submit myself to you. Every person in this room, this could be the most serious decision you've made this year. I submit myself to you. I don't want the enemy to have any, any place. I've been given authority. And we come against every demonic influence right now, every demonic lie right now that would come against you. Every intimidating spirit that would want to say, I have control. In Jesus' name, I come against every evil lie and spirit. And we submit ourselves to you. I want you to say this prayer with me. Just say this confession with me with all of your heart. Say, Father, I thank you for the authority that I have in Christ Jesus. Say, I've been born again. Say, all of my sins have been forgiven. So I've been raised together with Christ. I've been seated in heavenly places. 
far above all principalities, far above all powers, and might and dominion, and every name that's named, both in this time and in the ages to come. Say, all things are under the feet of Jesus. And I want you to picture that right now, whatever it is that's been beating you up. Say, all things are under the feet of Jesus. Say, and I'm seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That means all things are under my feet. Say this, there's no demon in hell or on earth that has dominion or authority over me. There's no sin, no bondage, no sickness. See, listen, church, it has to come out of your mouth. It has to come out of your mouth. You can hear it from me, but it has to come out of your mouth. You have authority over you. Say this, there's no demon in hell or on earth that has dominion or authority over me, over my household, or anything under my authority. Say, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over Satan and any demons that would want to influence me and take advantage over me. Say, I will not be ignorant of his wicked schemes, but I serve him notice now that he will back off and desist in any thoughts, plans, schemes, maneuvers, tricks, and traps that he set up for me and anything under my authority. Say this, I submit myself to God. I resist the devil and he flees from me. The weapons of my warfare are not carnal, but my weapons are mighty in God. Come on, say this in faith. Say, I pull down every stronghold. I cast down every argument. I cast down every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. I bring every thought into captivity. Just put your hands on your head right now. Say, I bring every thought into captivity. Thoughts that have been beating me up. Be conformed to the word of God. I bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Jesus and the word of God. Say this, I am strong in the Lord. Say it again, I'm strong in the Lord and the power of his might. I put on the whole armor of God and I stand against the tricks and traps of the enemy. In the mighty name of Jesus, say I'm under the blood of Jesus and there's nothing that any demonic force can do to overtake me or to take advantage of me. Say, my household, my kids, my family is under the blood of Jesus. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Jesus has won the victory for me in every area of life. Come on, say it again. Jesus has won the victory for me in every area of life. So I use his name and my authority in his word to stand strong against the power of the enemy today in Jesus name I will not be taken advantage of again every day of my life I walk in victory over the enemy in the name of Jesus I will not be defeated by the enemy another day in my life come on somebody say it I will not be defeated by the enemy 
another day in my life. In the mighty name of Jesus. Say it again, in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, let's thank the Lord today. Can we do it? Let's thank the Lord. Whatever it is that you need victory over, just thank the Lord. Stand to your feet. Just thank the Lord. Lord, we thank you for victory over the enemy today. We thank you for victory over the enemy today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We will not be defeated. We will not be defeated. And Father, I pray that you would burn this message in every one of our hearts. We're a victorious church. Sickness and disease has to leave everybody in Jesus' name. Bondage, strongholds, you have no right. Come on, just speak to them right now in your own life. Just speak to them. Forget that pride. Just lay it aside. Speak to strongholds. Speak to things that have been beating you up and say, in Jesus' name, back off. In Jesus' name, I take authority over you. In Jesus' name, I take authority over you. In Jesus' name, thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for it today, Lord. Thank you for it today, Lord. Thank you for it today. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast.